It takes time to build a reputation in business. But if you can stay the course, great things can come your way. In fact, our next guest is Chloe Jessamy, founder and CEO of Supportal Services, who has built an enviable reputation for excellence in the VA industry, as well as being a business coach and strategist. If you want to know more about Chloe and her team and what they can do for you and your business, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Koch, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week, we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film and a favourite single or album and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at the Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. Welcome to the Cashflow Show, Chloe. Hello, Clayton. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. So I've given you my classic introduction where I basically take what I know about you and I then put it out there in lights for everybody to see. So ultimately, the thing that I always throw back on our guests is tell me what do you do at Supportal Services? That's a very good question. So I'm the founder and CEO of Support All Business Services, a leading multi-award winning virtual assistant agency. And I basically match busy CEOs and SCM and SMEs with virtual assistants that can support them with the day-to-day tasks and workloads. So that can range from operations to marketing, but our ultimate goal is to help them to do less and achieve more. That's a pretty tall order because CEOs and managing directors they can be pretty prickly people. Mm, I know, I'm one of them. You know, I've gone through my own transition, which is why it's so close to my heart. They can be, but, you know, they, they need the help. And I'm all about showing up to provide that solution. Employing staff is not the only solution, which I feel like a lot of people, they probably are aware of the, you know, the options available to them. But as they're growing or scaling, sometimes I feel they dive into that area too soon, um, basically, than they need to. So, Yeah. In a sense, you act as a facilitator and a buffer between the managing director, the CEO, the person basically who's running the business, and you help to bring staffing and personnel closer to that particular person. Yes. So for me, it goes a bit deeper than that. So the service we provide ranges. So it could be from a standard virtual assistant where they come in and support a director directly or support an existing team. So this company may already have three to five team members, but we also have different layers of support. So we have online business managers known as OBMs, and they step in more on a management level so that they can oversee projects and just take that next level of workload away from them. We, We all know managing a business means, you know, multiple hats, being involved in everything. So we try to help limit that so that they can confidently not just spend more time working in their business, but something that I'm focusing on more now, more time on their self, more time for their family, more time to live the life that I'm sure they signed up for when they started this business. So you help others. Mm -hmm. How did you get started in business? And is this your first business? So it is my first business. I do have a second business. Um, it's called Clutter Cut Down, which you probably wouldn't have, um, I didn't mention to you. It's kind of taken a sideline for the time being, but that was going into homes and basically it's called professional organising. So we go into homes and help them cre- um, create structure, chaos into calmness, basically within the home. So it's extended kind of mission, you know, for people, busy professionals who wanted to just enjoy life more instead of coming home and, you know, finding the hours to keep the home that they want. But it is my first baby and I call it my baby because it is just that. And I started this seven years, six months ago now. It's been, it's gone quite quick. It has gone quickly. And congratulations to you to being in business really for that period of time. Most businesses, and we don't talk about this enough on the cash flow show, most businesses fail ultimately. A lot of people expect every business that they do is going to be a success. That's hard. That's very hard. And so the fact that you managed to achieve this is, you know, something that we should all 
champion and support. Because what I wanted to ask was that it's your first business. How did you transition into it? And when did the idea, the light bulb moment, when did that happen? It was a, it was a mad transition. Um, so I was working in my nine to five job. I've got a daughter. So, you know, that, that alongside work was my life. And I was there for about seven years. So I worked my way up from almost admin through to events, marketing, to office management. I did accounts. Like I really did a variation of roles there, but that I always had a spark for business. You know, I, I didn't finish my degree because I fell pregnant and different, you know, surrounding circumstances, but I didn't let it stop me pursuing by self-educating and doing other things like that. But in short, I got to the top of the food chain. I was working with all three CEOs at a high level and me, I love a challenge. I love things that, you know, make you want to get out of the bed in the morning, you know, either to create change, help someone or just know that you're going to have an impact. And I just lost that spark and it got limiting to what I could do. And um, so I started to explore the, my my interest for business kind of that's when I was like, that's this is the time. That's what I want to do. And now's the time to do it. So I started to look into it and I started to formulate the business. It took about a year. Like I was kind of just doing my research, thinking about the ideas. I mean, it was weird because I was researching a job initially for a higher paying executive assistant role. And then I come across the term virtual assistant and the lifestyle, the, the job role as such, it was like finding the perfect job description when I came across this. So yeah, I dived into that and then I made the plunge to quit my job. So it wasn't planned. And this is the thing. I was telling my story the other day to um, somebody and they were quite shocked because I think they they know me a little bit and they were quite shocked to think that I would do something like that, knowing me as a person. But it was a bit more out of frustration. I did quit my job. It wasn't planned. Um, but then two weeks later, I had my previous employer as my first client. You know, it didn't make sense for them to go and employ someone when I knew the business inside and out and I could still serve them. Um, so it went from there, a freelancer, transitioned my skills. Um, so it's around bookkeeping and admin at the time, PA admin on my own. And then when I delved into the entrepreneur world more and had more time to focus on this um, and understand the industry, I realized there was so much more room for me to, to show up and do different things explore because I've, I've got many skill sets I'm a bit of a creative too so you know when I found out VAs offer marketing services and do web design and there were different areas I could niche into I started to play around and I think that's when I started to grow bigger than myself and had to rely on um, more associates so I could take on more clients and the dream unfolded from there into what we are now an, an agency. You were saying earlier that people didn't expect you to they didn't expect you to to take this decision to go into entrepreneurship. Would you describe yourself as risk averse? Because of the fact that I was a single mom and little little things like that, I think and you know, I'm going to be to totally transparent because, you know, I do like to share my story and be honest about it. I, you know, I didn't have like a savings. I didn't have a partner. I wasn't in the best position as a mentor. It's not how I would advise someone to take that transition. It was kind of just like I quit. And then after, I think like two days later, I almost um, was upset with my mum. I remember having a a phone call with her because I think I had this fear kind of effect kicking in, you know, um, am I making the right choice, blah, 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 blah. But I knew for me that if I was going to do this, I needed to throw myself into this 100%. That's the kind of person I am. I couldn't tear between a job trying to build this and being a mum. I felt like it was too much. So I think I do take a risk, but I think that one is just one people didn't expect. It kind of, I was quite quiet about it for, for that year of doing my planning. And so I had a business model and a plan, by the way. It wasn't just quit and, you know, no plan or structure, but I just don't think people expected it. I almost had people, I think, doubt what I was doing. I, you know, I think my dad was like, are you sure? You know, you're in a good job. And I was like, but I want more than just the money. I want, there's there's more I want to give. There's more I can do. Um, it took a little time for him to kind of go, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, to be honest, I do get where he's coming from because that would have been me. And I found that as I got older, I've become less risk averse. I, now I'm just crazy now. I'm just, uh, I'm just out there. I just like, yeah, okay. What's the worst <laughs> can happen? Let's do this. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And I think that my dad's the opposite. He's quite logical. Um, and I am too, but I, the question you posed, you know, about the taking risks, I think it's, I think it's necessary in life. If you want to 
get past certain barriers and reach certain goals. You know, you could take tactful risks, if you know what I mean, if you've got a backup plan and things like that. But um, he's definitely not a risk taker. He's in his old age, I think it's getting worse for him. He's going more in that direction than the direction you're probably in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, to a certain extent, I suppose I see certain things in life that happened. And I suppose as you get that little bit older, you begin to realise that that your existence as a person is a very limited existence. Um, not in terms of fame and fortune and stuff like that, but in terms of how many actual years you have where you are full functioning, getting ready to move around, do exactly what you want to do. Um, and that, that has been interesting. I've noticed that over the last, say, few years I've been more aware of that and that realizing that sometimes you know something like that's why that Nike slogan just do it really appeals to people um Mm. because you know ultimately the bottom line is that you do you don't regret the things that you do you regret the things more that you didn't do because you didn't know could it be as could I be somebody could I be a VA I could have, you know, it's like that film with Marlon Brando on the waterfront. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody, you know. There's always somebody in a pub or a bar saying that to themselves, what they could have done. And, so true, true. You know, but there are certain of your friends now who are probably saying to you, well, Chloe, yeah, I knew you could do it. I knew you could do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the funny thing. And the funny thing is a lot of people, um, you know, they, they've come to me and said I've inspired them and they've gone and started their own business. And this was really empowering through my journey because sometimes when, you know, when you're in a certain circle, if you don't see somebody making moves, sometimes you're not inspired enough to do that yourself or, you know, you're not seeing someone else do it to kind of ignite that within you. Like for me, it was important that the company I kept um, in terms of my development and growth. So it was beautiful to see that. But it's funny, yeah, a lot of people are now like, yeah, you're amazing. You always were. We knew we could do it. Um but do you know what? I love it, to be honest, because it just makes me remember and it's all positive, if you know what I mean. So how long did it take you to put this into action? Because so you now sat down there, you said, right, I'm off. I'm doing this. So you get your first client. So your first client is always that client that gives you that spark. But what client did you get that you then realised that I'm Chloe Jessamy and I'm in business? Um, it was Afro Touch Design, actually. Um, an amazing um, woman, Georgina, she, it's um, a greeting cards company. And she's still working with me today. We were talking about that the other um, week. I, I, joined, I joined her at an awards ceremony that she was sponsoring. And the reason for me was because she, it's different, it's weird transition from being an employee to I'm the boss. I'm running the show. This is, you know, it's all me. This is my reputation. This is my baby. And the recognition and appreciation that I got just after, I think it was after just a consultation with her. um, The times where, you know, I really feel like a weight's lifted off my shoulders, really excited to work with you, left a review after two weeks. I think that really, for me, I think I already mentioned earlier on that I had that bit of fear factor at the time. Like, could I do this? I knew I could, obviously, because I took the, you know, I took the choice to, to do it, but there was still that bit of fear and doubt. And I think that kind of secured that moment of, I've got this, like I'm in business next on, on to the next one. Let's execute this um, strategy and make that dream a reality basically. But yeah, she, she's an amazing person. Um, so blessed to still have her on board as a client, seeing her grow. And do you find that fascinating how we can be employed with somebody for many years doing a job and then when we transition to doing that role for ourselves we suddenly question it isn't that crazy it is mad it's it's similar to when I um, work with clients and then work on my business like I'm totally sometimes like uh, the advice I give just rolls off my tongue you know I'm confident I'm like you need to do this you need to do that but um, when it comes to your own thing, I think because it is our own thing, we overthink it more. It's more precious in terms of the the thought process. But it is, yeah. I I, I still have I still battle with that on days. Um, but yeah, I agree. You've decided to take this leap, and you've got your first client. Then you get your second client. When do you realize that you want to build an empire? I realized it. So I think it's when I 
had to refuse clients um, and then I had to revisit my strategy because that worked nicely for two years. I was traveling, making money, you know, I, I was living life the way I wanted. It became like, okay, so where do I go from here? I can help more. I didn't want to just refuse people and, you know, be like, I can't help. So I looked at a bigger strategy and the long-term plan. And that's when I looked into, so I transitioned to an OBM first. Um, so I went from a VA to an online business manager doing more project management, systems, marketing, that area. And then I started to take on associates. So that strategy made me see that my business could be as big as I wanted it to. And I think when I had that epiphany, I broadened my goals because I think I was thinking smaller initially. Um, two years in, I was like, right, there's more I can do. Um, and then started to transition. Do you feel that post-pandemic, the interest and the desire to work with VAs has accelerated? 100%, yes. Um, I think there was a stat that I read the other day. I can't remember the numbers, but definitely in, in the VA industry, they send out a survey every year. Um, and the stats, just the responses in that alone dramatically increased, but the, v, the the number of VAs or people that were starting up a VA business had increased during COVID because people were looking for another, you know, looking for another way to make money from home, from inside the comfort of their home and have something that was more secure during times where we felt, you know, things definitely were not. Um, so it's interesting because they, they did, but the problem I have found is that some people, you know, we can have our full-time job and have a, you know, side hustle or a, um, a small business that we're, we're starting. But I find the term side hustle and an actual, you know, starting a small business can sometimes be quite blurred in the VA industry. So you'll find somebody who just wants to make money and they just want to be a VA because they think it's easy. And then the way they handle clients and their processes and the engagement communication and everything is not on a business professional scale at all because they don't see it that way. They're just in it for the cash exchange in short, which is what I talk about a lot in our mentoring, thinking beyond the cash exchange and how we nurture and build relationships. Um, but yeah, I think I've gone off track there. <laughs> no, no, far from it. Because what is interesting is what your mention of the side hustle. Now, the side hustle idea is very much an American thing. And when I heard about hustled as a, as a young person, it was always coming from the African American community. Mm -hmm. It's actually hustle is a Dutch word. A lot of people don't know mm -hmm. that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Know that. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that hustle is a Dutch word. But the reality for many people is that they want to make money. We're living in a cost of living crisis, and most people are barely getting by wherever you are in the world. So the idea of being a virtual assistant sounds fantastic. But you mentioned that a lot of people are not committed because what happens is they will go onto YouTube and there will be some guys saying, there, hi, this is how you can make some extra money and you can earn a thousand dollars, a thousand pounds a week, a month, a year or whatever, doing your side hustle. And it can be being a virtual assistant. You would say, and I'm preempting here, is that that person is interested in the a thousand pounds, dollars, whatever currency they're in. They're not interested in the craft and the art of being a VA. That's exactly it. And I've experienced this, experienced this through growing my own team. So hiring associates, giving people that, you know, I really want to give people opportunities. So I do take on new VAs as well as experienced. Um, I, I take the time to train my team and give them my time. But, you know, that it's all like, you know, they're all really pumped up, really ready to do the work, giving me everything I need to hear and and throwing everything that I want to hear, I guess, at the beginning. But then it fades out very quickly and then suddenly I can't get hold of them and then they've fallen off the face of the planet and then they've, they've forgotten what communication means more so in business. And this is the problem. People go for that and it's great initially that I'm not knocking anyone who does it for the money because exactly, it's exactly as you said, we're in a time where we've got to do what we've got to do, you know, to feed our families and survive. But if you are not aiming to set yourself up to fail, it's not the right, it's not the right thing for you. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. There's a lot of other moving pieces. If you want to earn money consistently um, and have people walk away and talk about you in a positive light so that you can, you know, build that reputation. Um, so a lot of the time I've just found that I've had to give people negative reviews because they're not interested in that. They just they just want the money and then the 
the motivation and determination and everything they said they'll do at the beginning just goes out the window, you know? That's a shame because you also mentioned earlier a commitment to mentoring other VAs and virtual assistants. Could you tell us more about this aspect of your work and how it aligns with your general mission of how you want to run the business and you want to um, increase your brand? So it kind of falls in line with what I was just saying about finding it difficult to find the right the VAs for my business. Um, I, I provide a high level of quality. So I look for the, uh, basically the skills that I've brought to my clients and the quality I've provided. I look, you know, for the same. Um, and, you know, having struggled finding that and working with VAs and seeing where they struggled and the kind of like the, the cracks um, in terms of them being great, but they can be even better, but just don't have the knowledge or, or you know, people are not just telling them because I believe feedback is a really important thing in the kind of role we do. So I wanted to show up and support more VAs. And I kind of had a lot of VAs reaching out to me too, you know, kind of um, been following me, asking me questions, which I had all the time for, like I said, I'm about helping. And then I realized that I could make, extend my business and support not only business owners, but VAs. Um, we're focusing more on helping them transition, be more than a VA. So I find in business, VAs are very useful. Obviously, every business owner should have one, in my opinion. but Business owners can benefit from more than that. So like your OBMs, as I mentioned, which is a higher paying salary, um, a different a niche skill set. So what I'm trying to show them is how they can not just be that VA that signed up for the £1,000, but show them how they can actually make a business of this that works on their terms, where they can show up, be the best they can be and still live the life they want and get the money at the same time. So it's kind of helping them build it and transition into more. As a VA, virtual assistant, how important or how helpful can it be if you niche down? So if you become, say, a legal VA, because I'm from a legal background in this year, so I would see those people. If somebody, even if I'm doing something that's different, if I see somebody who's got legal experience, I would want to work with them only for the simple reason they would know how I think even though I'm not necessarily 100% in the law anymore. I, I would say, right, you know, if I give you such and such a form, this is what needs to be done and how it needs to be completed and so on and so forth. You know what uh, a witness statement looks like. You know how to draft some pleadings, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. How important is it for, for VAs to be in that position to maybe have a speciality in a particular area? And does it pay more for people? It does, 100%. It's exactly as you said, you've got to look at it from the client's perspective on that journey when they're looking for somebody to support their business. You know, are they going to go for the generalist VA who's worked with A, B, C, D, F, G, every, you know, every um, letter in the alphabet going? <laughs> or have they focused on a particular industry and mastered the language, the documents, the processes? Yes, it pays more. So a, a generalist VA would always be paid less. A generalist VA is seen as your administrator, they would do like your research. They can do simple elements of marketing. But then if you get a VA that niches in, for example, SEO or illegal, like whether that's a industry or a skill set they niche in, you can double your hourly rate. Um, I'm also showing VAs how to move away from hourly rates and package themselves so that it's less based and time restricted. Um, we work by the clock a lot of VAs, so I'm trying to encourage that more in the industry too. But 100% niching is the way to go. Funny enough, I niched at the beginning, but as I grew, I obviously expanded because being an agency, my job is if you were to come to me and say that you needed someone with that experience, I've got a network, a community, you know, um, my own associates where I would go and match that. So that, that's why I call myself the matchmaker within the company. Um, I make sure that I have someone niched in my VA industry that can come in and um, be of serve, you know, match what you need and the services that you require. The thing about entrepreneurs is, and especially when they're put together with VAs, is it's always an interesting concept because I think many entrepreneurs are kind of crazy. <laughs> I've come to that conclusion. There's something slightly unhinged about entrepreneurs. And, you know, as I said, I'm an entrepreneur and I accept that there is slightly something kind of crazy about them. So when you think that many entrepreneurs find themselves, they're excited because they've always got a new idea. 
That's the thing. Every idea, I'm brushing my teeth. I've got an idea. I've seen something on the television. I've got an idea. They're always got an ideas. So a lot of these things is pure excitement, but then they get overwhelmed by the tasks involved in actually doing. So they can't set up or scale the business. If they're coming to Supportal, how does Supportal step in to provide a solution to those challenges? It depends on the, the level. So, for example, like you said, it could be that you need someone to execute a project or just be the manager, the person just, you know, that you speak to on a weekly basis, offload all these amazing thoughts, and then they map out the projects, plug in the right team members, oversee the deadlines, and you just suddenly become, you're able to step away more and actually see those ideas come to life. So an online business manager would help you achieve just that project management, some more efficiency overseeing a team. Then your standard VA would support with more direct um, CEOs or small business owners, one-to-one kind of personal relationships. So offloading those, you know, those tasks, what I say you don't like to do, don't want to do, or don't know how to do. Your VA, you know, takes that on gives you that time back so you can go and do the tasks that generate cash, you know, or keep your business thriving. But we also offer packages around systems and marketing. So we have from Facebook ad management through to SEO, web design, the operational side is more based on systems. So going through this journey, I have seen so much mess in the background. I've been I mean, I've worked with some high profile clients and you think from the outside, wow, they're amazing. They must have all this. And then you get behind it and you're like, spreadsheets? We're still working with spreadsheets? <laughs> um, yeah. So I love, uh, yeah, I love me personally. I focus on that element. So through my mentoring too, as I've said, I talk about the focus on the operational side more and scaling um, strategically. Um So we offer bespoke services around Asana, project management, implementation, Dubsado, yeah, things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know the reason why I'm laughing because I've just been writing a lot. (laughs) We're going to have an app off if there's there's any such thing (laughs) where two apps fight off. You're going to come with Asana and I'm coming with Trello. Don't even get me started. Do not get me started. I have have a lot here, I could say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what I should say, cash flow crew, what I should say is that there has been an exchange on LinkedIn between Chloe and I in relation to different um, Kanban style boards. And um, Asana is is very much in Chloe's camp and Trello is very much in my camp. What can I say? Everybody feels strongly about this. and They feel strongly about the reasons why they like it, but I'm going to let, let Chloe get a word in here. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I've converted many from Trello into Asana. The fact you use a project management tool, first of all, is amazing because I know so many business owners and entrepreneurs who don't, they almost refuse to because, you know, tech can also just be like, well, I don't need another tool in my life kind of thing. But Asana is amazing. It is brilliant. It is the one tool that I use daily consistently and have done for the last seven years. I've I've mastered it. I've implemented it for small business owners Um, And a good thing about this, which is one of my kind of um, debates here, or objection, not objections, it's, I guess, what, how they compete. Asana will allow you to grow from being an individual to a small business to a large corporate company. Trello has its limitations in what it can provide. So it's like, if you're a forward thinker like me, and you want to avoid too much swapping and changing and mastering at all, (laughs) You stick with one for the beginning and know that it's going to serve you throughout your growth and your scaling. Um, but I could talk about Asana all day. It's amazing. It's brilliant. <laughs> well. Oh, your turn. <laughs> my, my turn, yes. In the defence for Trello. No. Do you know something? I get exactly where you're coming from with Asana. And I don't think there's actually anything wrong with it. I don't have a, a particular... For, I started with Trello, but... Trello to me is much more graphic and I'm a graphics type of person. I'm not, I can't draw for, for, for the life of me, but pictures trigger my brain and they make me think. When was the last time you used Asana? Can I ask quickly? Uh, I tried at the beginning and that was a few years ago, I have to say. So I haven't used Asana for quite some okay. time. 
one key point you've made there about you know being visual more of a mm. visual person asana has f- five different ways of viewing your your to-do list so you can now have um, a board exactly like trello or you can stick to the traditional way of viewing your lists by having a list or you can have a timeline or so it's got it i think they've adapted for people like yourself because i guess that was a that was a thing you know asana's not got no visuals um trello has and they've overcome that so just in case you wanted to go check that out (laughs) (laughs) well i know that you can migrate I've done that even I've done enough research to know that you can migrate from Trello to Asana if should the need arise. But at the moment, at the end of the day, I'm sticky with Team Trello, baby. I'm with you. I'm with you. you yeah, bet. everyone check in in about six months' time on that one. <laughs> and I'll be going, oh my God, this Asana, it's so wonderful. I love it. I love it, I tell you. <laughs> it is brilliant though. Uh, for any business owner, you know, if you are looking for a at all to streamline your 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 team your just your day-to-day tasks any projects so that you can have deadlines something alert you when it's due you know communicate in one place cut out back and forth emails all of that this or trello you know it, either any kind of project management tool is the one to help you scale well i also wanted to ask was in spite of what's happened in terms of Trello and Asana, so we're going to move on from that because we're not getting paid for it. So I don't see why we should keep keep advertising them. You know, <laughs> Supportal really is, is is grown immensely since 2016. What do you, as a CEO and founder, attribute? You know, the lasting relationships you've built with clients and the value that you bring to their businesses over time. How does that make you feel? And you know, what do you as a founder get from that? Do you know what? I always like to practice what I preach. And like I said um, earlier on in this episode, that it's not just about giving clients back time. We, we used to focus on saying, you know, we give you back time so you can go and focus on cash generating tasks or other tasks that serve you, your business better. But now we we try and find the balance with that. We're saying, you know, give back time so you can go in, work on your well-being you know your self-care your family so over the years we've had feedback and it's not just been you know we're great at our job or we've delivered xyz results it's been quite deep and, and emotional I've had clients send me gifts and say you know I was going through this which I would never have known at the time something really traumatic in their personal life but because they had a PA or a VA it allowed them to step away and not let their business fall completely apart. It allowed their business to continue functioning, but then to attend to what, you know, we all hold close to our heart, our family and the people we love. Um, So for me, I'm trying to work more on um, helping entrepreneurs. And and it's something I'm practicing myself, find balance to enjoy life and not just work, work, work as business owners. One thing I've realized um, when I transitioned from being an employee to the freelance world or a business owner is that there's never an off switch. Like you've got to be quite disciplined. Like if I, I love what I do, I could easily do it for as long as I'm awake to the moment I sleep. But if I allowed myself to. So I think it's important, which is one of the reasons why we step in as VAs, not just to give, you know, um, results, but to give them that time back and that mission means everything to me because it's something I'm trying to achieve myself still. I think balance is always like an ongoing work in progress. Um, but it means a lot to me that I'm, I'm hearing that kind of feedback and we're, we're not just changing people's life in business, but also having an impact on, on their personal life and their growth there. So how do you prioritise your self-care? Because the thing about being in the service industry and I don't want to get too deep because I'm uh, I'm quite a sceptical guy. But I believe that sometimes when people come to you with a problem, they're offloading their negative energy. And to a certain extent, when you're in the service industry, you're absorbing a lot of negative energy. I, I remember when I was deeply in law, there are certain types of law I wouldn't go back to now because you absorbed so much negative energy that it was just, it was just horrible. Even just mere mentions of those types of law. I say, people say, oh, why don't you go and do that? I'm like, hey, you're crazy. Have you lost mm. your mind? Because yeah. it's, it's all of that. So how do you deal with that? What's your self-care routine? And what do you try to do? So 
before I go into my proper self-care routine, I want to say that as I transitioned through business, I became very more meticulous with the clients I worked with. There's a point you said there, and there was times where clients made me feel so down or like I was incapable or not good enough or, you know, just felt like it was all me, 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 negative, negative, negative. And that's a lot to carry, especially when you're doing this kind of job. So that was one thing that I implemented because that had an effect on me and my my self-care and how I felt about myself and how I was growing as a person. Um, But outside of that, I go to the gym. So for me, that's a really good place to let go. Um, I'm quite a spiritual person too. So I do believe, like I meditate, um, I read books around self-help, self-improvement. I've always been quite a mindset, mental health kind of advocate. By the way, we support um, Mind Charity and have through our business the last seven years to continue to support that in the background. But these are the kind of things that I do to switch off for me it's really difficult to switch off like I said as a business owner I'm passionate I love what I do when people say get a hobby I'm like okay this is my hobby (laughs) (laughs) over the years I haven't always um done it or been consistent I would say the last year has been my most consistent in terms of myself um self-care regime I travel I go on holidays try to get away change the scenery and I also am a bit of a creative, like I said. So for me, that's more of a hobby because I do it and don't want the, it's more something I should do to enjoy. And switch, it's a switch off thing for me. It's like the, and music is another thing. You'll hear music in this household. We've always got music playing. We're always dancing and singing. We are a bit crazy. I guess that's the part of the crazy entrepreneur in me a bit. But, you know, I've even got a happy dance. Me and my daughter, I'm supposed to say, I blame her. She's um, given me a happy dance for when we have early on in my business, every time we had a sale. We had a happy dance and a song. <laughs> brilliant. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, all these elements I try to bring into my daily routine every day. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so, so all those combined help me focus on me and take a break from exactly what you just said, the negative energy and the things that don't serve me. So I serve myself to fill that cup. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, Real talk. Now we're going to move on from that negative energy and we're going to go to the happy place. So this is the section that we called What Are You Like? The section that still doesn't have a jingle and I don't know why, but <laughs> never mind. I'm going to get to that, but it should be said in a Cockney accent. Um, but we discuss your favourite book, your favourite film, your favourite movie and find out when you have that... Um, quiet time that self-care time what do you do for yourself so we're going to start off with your favorite book and you've chosen feel the fear and do it anyway by susan jeffers yes can you tell us why you've chosen that one this has stuck with me for like a good six years i think um and it served me i've read it more than once and it served me many times so during, this relates to personal and professionally, by the way, um, there's been a lot of roadblocks for me in terms of my personal growth, confidence, um, fit, a lot of fear and can I do this and then letting that stop me from doing it. And I am the type of person that, that doesn't like to sit still. So this book just helped simplify the noise in my own head, if that makes sense. Of course. And give me the empowerment to to do more and to, or to do the things that I wanted to do like public speaking um you know doing something like this a couple of years ago it would not have really been a thing for me because of my confidence for example um the more I did it the, the more my confidence grew and I love you know I love showing up and talking but the book is it's brilliant it's empower it's empower and powerful and some of the things that I did basically from reading it a, bun- a mini bungee jump I'm I don't like that the, the thought of doing that makes my skin crawl. I had a tarantula, a tarantula crawl on my hand and face. I hate spiders. <laughs> uh, so this was me actually working on a, this was um, a conscious time where I was trying to, I was just like, fear is not holding me back. And this book, it's just stuck with me for that reason. There's lots of things where I've, lots of times and moments where I've picked it up and it's kind of been a reminder. I can do this and these little, the tips and the practical advice and the stories yeah, it just gave me, it empowered me as well as other things, of course. But that book, it, I've referred it so many times to people just because of what it did for me. And it's interesting because fear 
is really to me more about embarrassment. What will people think if this goes wrong? It's all sorts, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, people have to have different experiences, as you said, with the spiders and stuff and uh, and the bungee jumping. And, you know, that's a certain level of fear there. But I think as an entrepreneur, I think the fear is that you're going to come up with this idea and you're just going to look like an idiot. That's exactly. I learned that about myself when I did some like public speaking training. Um, and I can't remember the term, but there was two types of people. Um, and it was those that had the fear of go, going out there. But it was, um, oh, I forgot the term. Sorry, it's really useless. But, what, extrovert yeah. or no? No, it's about um, basically being a ve- more of a vain thing. Like, what do I sound like? What do I? What will I look like? Rather than focusing on the value you're you're actually showing up with, the value that you know you've had for fifteen years and helped multiple or hundreds of clients with, but still have that fear of those elements. And there is a te- there's a technical term for it. I'll have to come back to you and tell you what it was. No. But um, I, I realised I was that person. So. I was confident in what I had to say and bring to the table, but I was more kind of like, I I don't feel confident of how I look on camera. And it became, when I understood it, it became more of a thing more personal to me rather than what I was showing up for, if you know what I mean. Of course, but even movie stars, I think Johnny Depp doesn't watch his own movies. There's quite a few movie stars that don't, Um, once they made the film, that's it. They don't know what it looks like until, you know, whereas some people like Tom Cruise, he goes into the movie with a disguise in order to see what people's reactions are or whatever the case may be. It, you know, this is all uh, allegedly, as I said, just in case anybody tries to sue me. This is what the they people say. But it, it, I can see it from both points of view because mm. I don't like seeing myself on camera. Absolutely yeah. hate it. Um, mm. But it has to be done, you know. No, you're right. And that's the part I, I got past um, and the book helped with too. So since then, I've done the public speaking was the biggest thing for me. I have a lot to say. My journey is, you know, um, I did a, a podcast in person the other day, which is something I wouldn't usually do um, in back, like a few years back, um, talking about, you know, the, some of the nitty gritty bits of my story, you know, the more personal elements and, you know, making myself more vulnerable and open to that is being basically because I've focused on the mission, you know, instead of focusing on all the little bits and the noise that can come in between, the mission is to show up, deliver this value. People need it. I know they do. I've been told it. You know, I know this and hope that just one person gains something from that where I've changed a life or someone walks away and has learned something. You know, I think that's, um, that's what's helped me through. Yeah. We are going to move on to your favourite business book, and you've chosen Self Made by Bianca Miller Cole. Mm-hmm. That name is a name that I know. I'm, uh, I'm sure I'm connected to her. Yes, and, and Byron Cole, her and, husband. And Byron, they are the power couple, aren't they? They are mm. the Michelle and Barack and the Jay Z and Beyonce. I don't know if she does dancing and singing, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. they are they are that couple in in Black British business. So why have you chosen that book? So multiple reasons. I picked that book up very early on in my um, entrepreneur journey and I was already familiar with Bianca Miller from The Apprentice. So I kind of watched a bit of her journey um, and she inspired me with the product that she brought out, the diverse tights initially and just her journey from there and how they came about. The book, the reason why I like the book is because as a mentor, um, developing into that as well and obviously my own journey it just gives you the pra- it cuts out a lot of the noise and gives you the practical tips um, to start a business confidently so for me starting I found it overwhelming there's certain elements I was confident with but certain areas where there were still gaps where I wasn't sure and you know you get all this information online but sometimes it's like great I've got it but still what the hell do I do with it I just feel still a bit lost so it gave me clarity um, and again it's another book that I have um, kind of recommended to other business owners particularly those starting out um and the reason is not just that they are also people that I follow um I've been mentored by one of them personally they have been transformational in my journey from the book to working with them directly so yep it's still one that's on my shelf um I've read it a couple of times um and it was impactful for my journey help like I said cut out the noise good so now we move on to a favourite album or single or artist, 
and you've chosen Michael Jackson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> choose an album. <laughs> you couldn't choose an album. No, I think it would be Thriller um, or I'm Bad. There's quite a few because I was a huge fan growing up. Yeah. The reason why I chose it is because it's kind of carried through from my nan to my mum to me and my sister's upbringing to me and my daughter's good times. Um, and it's something that's always just made me happy. Like it was something we always, like I said, we're quite advocates of dancing around and embracing the music. It's just something that stuck with me throughout family and being a bonding moment. So it's, it brings me joy when I listen to it. Certain songs as well. Um, just, yeah, he's a childhood um, kind of memory for me and always been empowering just watching him. The thing about Michael Jackson is this, is that for a black child, you can understand why Michael Jackson has great difficulty in being erased the way that maybe some people want to erase Michael Jackson. I know. Because yeah. the image of seeing somebody that looked like you doing what he did is just amazing. And sometimes when I just, sometimes you walk into a room and it's on the TV and you see him and you think, my God, this man was amazing. He was brilliant. He, he was you absolutely. You cannot deny that. He was brilliant. Absolutely amazing. And what they do, I, I'm quite heavily into music as probably the Cashflow Show crew or the Cashflow crew <laughs> have been bored to death with it now. But they, every so often I, I watch a lot of these musical technical things and then what they do is they get the original tapes of Michael Jackson singing either mm -hmm. Thriller or Off the Wall or whatever. And just his pure vocals without anything on them. And you just think, man, this guy could just really, really sing. And there's nothing like hearing an artist, whether you like their music or not, who sounds like they sound on the record that you're listening to. Mm. And you know that you, because that's why a lot of artists nowadays fail, because when they go out, they think, you're rubbish. <laughs> they can't match it, can they? Yeah. Exactly, because you've had a hundred times to do it and you didn't actually get it right normally and they pieced together all the bits and pieces that you did in one fell swoop and that was what Michael Jackson was he you know you know he was an entertainer of such great magnitude and there's a thing when he did the Super Bowl and he stood there for a minute and people were fainting <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't get that starstruck, but I mean, yeah, he 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 was just something else. He's the one who inspired my passion for dance when I was younger too. So, yeah, his journey was not easy. You can see that, as you said, you know, being thrown into that at such a young age, he didn't even get a chance to really grow up and enjoy any. I mean, I know he enjoyed what he did, his music, but you know, I've watched a lot of documentaries like this, Whitney Houston's, Michael Jackson's. You see, no one really understands the pressures and what it's like to be in that position until, you, until you're in it, you know? Um, but yeah. yeah, he's legendary. Like mm. he lives on in our, in, in, in our household. So yeah, that's why I chose him. The power of those songs, the power of the singing, the power of the vocals, the power of the music. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So we then move on to another classic you've chosen as a film. You've chosen The Matrix. Yes, I'm a sci-fi fanatic. This is part of my, maybe I should mention it in my hobbies. When I was younger, I was always interested in science. So my mum's a Christian. She, you know, I was brought up around that, but I'm leaned more into always debating, like questioning stuff. I'm like that type of person. I'm like, yeah, but how? But why? But, you know, I am like that. And, and so, some things I know there's higher power and all of that I won't go into it. But some things I'm like, there must be an answer or that there's that there is a something still to be discovered. I love switching off. When watching films, I love switching off from reality completely. But why I like sci-fi is because I think it does give us a glimpse into the possibilities that the future can hold. I mean, The Matrix isn't one of them, but sci-fi in general, like when you watch some sci-fi movies, it tends to be in the future, right? Um, what could happen or different dynamics of what's out there or whatever. But yeah, sci-fi fanatic, I was always like watching through telescopes when I was little, asking questions, reading books, loved science in school. Um, the Matrix I chose because of that reason. I think it's completely switched off from reality. It's a storyline that also kind of gets you thinking. I don't like a film that is like predictable. I predict nearly every film I watch, I feel like. Um, so I like a film that really kind of almost mentally stimulates me on a different level. Um, and that does it for me. Matrix, I've been a fan of for a long time. So 
I've watched the films too many times, to be honest. It's not for everyone, um, but yeah. I think in terms of science fiction, when The Matrix came out, it really did change the game. And I don't think I would disagree with you. I think it actually shows a world into virtual reality and AI. If you think of it parallel, because really that's effectively what Neo's doing. Neo is the main protagonist. That's the Keanu Reeves character in, um, in the Matrix. He's yeah. going into technically when he's plugged in into a virtual world. Which Very is, true. Very good point, actually. You know, which is effectively what we're all doing now at the end mm. of the day. Or the idea that you saw in sort of I, I, my things, I loved like the old Thunderbirds and Space 1999 and all that kind okay. of stuff. I, I love science fiction as well. Oh, brilliant. But what I noticed is that a lot of those ideas turned into real technology. Yeah, no, it's very true. Yeah. You know, I, if you go back and watch some, you know, some old school stuff and look at where we are now, it's a hundred percent true. You're like, yeah, there's, there's a form of that that's here in, you know, it, it exists. Exactly. exactly. Um, and that's why I like it. Cause I, I do feel like, it's like you said, you know, it is AI, but AI is the future and it's still yet to evolve. And I love that because sci-fi, it is some, it, like whoever's creating the storylines, it is somebody delving into what could be or mm. what is going to evolve from what is, um, but yeah, very very good point about that. The way plugging into the, um, into the virtual world. That's why I love it because I'm just sitting there going, you know, it just raises all questions, doesn't it? And I'm that kind of person. I could sit and have like a two hour chat about that film. Unfortunately, <laughs> <it> is. <laughs> what if? What if? What if? Mm, mm, yeah. Moving forward with what ifs, what we're going to talk about now is the future. And I, yeah, as I said, this, this wasn't scripted in this particular way, I can guarantee it. But, you know, since we're talking about futuristic and scientific things, I've just had a question that's popped into my head. Do you think in the future that VA is going to be like holograms? I mean, I th way, way, way in the future, I, I do believe there's a lot AI will do for us. And I think the, the annoying thing is if you Google virtual assistant, I think maybe it's not so bad now, but maybe a, a couple of years ago, certain things, if you'd ask it, what is a virtual assistant, it would say things like a chatbot or a, a virtual AI assistant. Um, so there was that perception of it initially, but now it's evolved to what it is to probably only go back to what, people's initial perception of it was, if that makes sense. Yes, I understand. Uh, yeah, I do. But, I mean, that, that question, we've already got VAs panicking, you know, with AI stepping up. I mean, that's just, it's elevating quite quickly, isn't it? It's expanding more and more. AI is being released. It's getting, it's smarter. Yeah, I definitely think, not in our time, but definitely in the future. I think what will happen if you are a virtual assistant now, you not only need to know how things work in terms of technology and organization but you also need the prompt codes in order to get <laughs> chat gpt thing. to work right and this is the thing because we had a lot of vas panicking you know especially content writers and rightly so because you know i know a lot of people that have just dropped off their vas because they're suddenly using the tool but then gone back to the va because they're like I haven't got time to sit in there and type different prompts to get the right result and blah, blah, blah. No matter how much AI we have, we need someone to operate it so that it functions correctly. And this is another thing in the tech industry, when we're going back to Nishan really quickly, tech is an area that we're encouraging all VAs be proficient in. You know, in the line of work we do, working, you know, remotely, it makes sense. And we've got to move with the times and keep ourselves relevant and keep pivoting. So that's, there's a need, but it will change. Um, it's inevitable, as we know. Indeed, indeed. So you've got things moving afoot at support or services. So you've got some new services going on here. Yes. Uh, you've got a new community via Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got quite a few things going on. Just, just spill the beans about those if you can. So we've recently created, so I mentioned I'm a bit of a creative and alongside helping other business owners over the years, helping my own team of VAs and just listening to what's out there. I wanted to create a platform where smaller business owners who are not quite ready to build a team or maybe have the budget, etc., to have a place where they could get the information they need and obtain the systems or content or processes, templates, all the kind of resources 
that someone would need to inject into their own business, which ultimately would allow them to do less and achieve more. So it's called the Time Freedom Lab. The lab is the shop. Um, there you'll find courses where I show up with masterclasses. Um, I provide done-for-you content. There's also some PLR content so our clients can sell their own products as a passive income, um, but also provide certain things to their own clients. If you're a coach, um, for example, a wellness coach, and you want to be able to provide XYZ as part of your premium package, but don't have the time to create all of that, brand it, and make sure you've done added all the information incorrectly, et cetera, and implement that into a tech tool. We we kind of have this this these kind of resources here for them to go away and do that confidently. So kind of like a DIY lab. Um, and the community sits alongside that. So we've just um board that's called the time freedom hub so it's all connected and this is a place for people who are serious about scaling they that they've started they've doing well but they're at a point where they you know they can't grow they're either not making more they want to make more money or their systems and team is dysfunctional and not efficient enough or they want to utilize ai tech and even down to mindset i'm a big advocate of that i believe to grow we need to adjust our mindset alongside our growth. It's, you know, there's different growth stages. Um, so I'm really trying to help people think more about goal setting and moving with intention. It's so easy to just wake up and do something, but not be working towards the, the bigger picture. So yeah, that's it in a nutshell. And then the mentoring, which is something I do in the background, but I will have um, my packages released in the next three months. Excellent. Thank you. Just as an aside, and just because we've had a conversation about doing challenges and going outside of our comfort zone, I am going to present to you the 60 second shootout. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> the second, the, the 60 second shootout is a list of questions that you're asked. Okay. Either yes or no. Okay. So it might be, hot pizza, cold pizza. It might be ambition or comfort. It might be pattern or plain. Hmm. Interesting. Let's go. <laughs> so, so I'm going to get it um, set up here and get my timer ready. And then when you're ready, we'll start. Are you comfortable? I'm ready. I'm comfortable. Excellent. Your time starts now. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Netflix or Prime? Mm, prime night or morning morning rich and famous or rich and unknown rich and unknown passenger or driver passenger art museum history museum art museum train or plane plane car or bike car owe money or owe me a favor owe me a favor coffee or tea coffee embarrassed or afraid oh oh embarrassed city or countryside Countryside. Smartphone or tablet? Smartphone. Wine or beer? Wine. Clamping or glamping? Clamp and um, camping. Cooking or being cooked for? Cooking. Play or stand-up show? Play. Roommates or live alone? Live alone. Attend a party or host a party? Host a party. Lose sleep or skip a meal? Skip a meal. Hang out with little kids or old folks? Hang out with little kids. <laughs> You've just completed your 60 second shooter. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that. <laughs> Had me thinking there. I got stumped on one of the questions. <laughs> so we've come to the end of our time on the Cashflow Show podcast. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. But people need to know where they can find you and how they can get in touch with you for to be a mentee or to avail themselves of your support or services or just to connect with you as an individual. So where would they find you? So you can head to our website, which has all the social links and everything there, which is supportalservices.com. Um, but you can also connect with me on Instagram where I show up quite a bit, um, which is at Chloe Jessamy. Instagram handle for Supportal is at Supportal Services. So, but like I said, you can go to the website and everything's signposted there. I will have all of these in the show notes. So if people um, miss here or don't get a chance to get it down in one fell swoop, you can find those there. Chloe Jessamy, 
it's been an absolute pleasure having you on there. You've been a really good sport and you've really um, uh, made a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I've had to answer some very interesting questions. I will say that to you. So I thank you very much. I do wish you every success at Supportal because you're obviously building an empire there and you're getting like-minded people in order to provide the services that we as entrepreneurs all need. Yes. And we are not going to stop. I do plan to keep showing up and be one of the top in the industry so watch this space and thank you for having me i've really enjoyed this you're most welcome so chloe jessamy ceo and founder of supportal services thank you for joining us on the cash flow show we've come to the end of the cash flow show for today but i would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge wisdom and insight if you loved what you've heard on this week's episode please head over to apple Podcasts or spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world, and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for Real People, Real Business, Real Talk. <laughs>